Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season six, episode 18 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called I Never Could Love Like That. <laughs> no, no, Lily could not. She really could not. Uh, you, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's that's Lily, mama. Yeah. She's like, that. that's just not me. She said, mm, motherhood, no, that really doesn't speak to me personally. So that's actually <laughs> going to be a big pass for me. She said, I'm actually not interested in that. And you know how a lot of people say once you meet your kids, you become a mother. It got worse for me. Didn't happen for me. And I want to be clear at the top of this episode, I'm going to be defending Lily a lot this episode. And I don't want anyone to think I'm like the world's biggest Lily Salvatore stan. But <laughs> I think I am going to get on a little bit of a defensive high horse with her this week. Because I can tell, Stephanie, you're pretty anti-Lily, is it? as it stands at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trusting her as far as I could throw anything. I mean, I don't vibe with her. I don't think she's truthful. Much of that is confirmed. But, you know, she has she has her little slay moments. And if we're looking at her as just a woman, she kind of slayed. Sorry to Damon and Stefan, but you guys had no shot here. And also what is so kind of iconic about Lily is not only she did she give Damon and Stefan these crippling mommy issues, but she gave them to Enzo too. And <laughs> she met him once. She met this guy once. She didn't even remember him. And it's like the most difficult time of his life. She gave Damon and Stefan such different mommy issues. Like yeah. she was able to really cast a wide net. And I'll get into this. Her power. It's hard to say which set are worse. But I would definitely say Stefan's are probably a little worse. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's also because Stefan was younger. We've yet to really, I mean, we've, we can talk about all this throughout the episode, so I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. I think Stefan's in a place where he's going to be able to get through them faster. We haven't seen him get through them. Damon, oh, this this wound is this wound is raw. I mean, he well, is and- not he is not taking this. He is like throwing a tantrum every time he has to talk to the woman. Like, he is not yeah. doing good. Well, and Damon, I think because it, there's no getting away from the fact that you thought you were past this, but then you were in love with Catherine for 150 years. And let's be honest, these two, birds of a feather. Yeah, I mean... I think that's coming up to Rio's ugly head pretty heavy for him. Yeah, let's just say it's becoming pretty clear how they both fell in love with Catherine. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's obvious here. We'll get more into all of that throughout this episode. Before we get into anything, though, here's a quick ad. I'll start, as always, by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. With their humanity turned off, Stefan and Caroline begin wreaking havoc at Whitmore, leaving Damon to come up with a risky plan involving Lily. After rushing to help Joe treat victims of Stefan and Caroline's latest killing spree, Elena discovers Joe is pregnant, prompting her to reevaluate her own life as a vampire. Meanwhile, when Sarah boldly turns the tables on an unsuspecting Enzo, he is forced to open up about his tragic past. He was already opening up before she tied him up. He had shit to say. He wanted to tell someone this. He has no friends. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Sarah's his bestie at the moment. Yeah. Lastly, at Skullbar, a twisted round of karaoke leaves Tyler and Matt in a dangerous situation. Calling this a twisted round of karaoke is insane because only one person is singing karaoke. And she stops pretty quickly. Yeah. We open the episode at Skullbar. It's the end of the night. There's a bartender closing up. He turns away and there's a whoosh and one of the chairs he just put up is now back on the ground. And he says, okay. <laughs> He's like, 
um okay and he's like he's like this is exactly how my day is going of course (laughs) he fixes the chair and he keeps closing and then a bottle falls over you know quote unquote onto the bar and it's spilling all over the floor and he says come on because now he's gonna have to close the bottle account for that mop it whatever it's annoying me after a long shift if those two things happen i would have burst into tears yeah (laughs) he says okay who's messing with me chris are you up there dick he goes to clean the bottle then there's a thud a dead body falls on a table and he says, oh my God, Chris. So that's Chris. Chris has his throat slit and is dead. Stefan appears and says, boo. And then Caroline appears and she says, are you booing me? And Stefan says, yeah, boo. What I loved about that is you could see the subtitle that said boo. And I thought Stefan was going to be like, boo, like to scare the guy. Yeah. So then I was like, that's a weird way to say it for that. And I was like, oh, different. Yeah. Different interesting, interesting line reading. Caroline says I scared him and then she turns to the bartender and says I scared you right with the whole chair flippy and the bottle thing the bartender says who are you people because he's overwhelmed and Caroline says well I'm Caroline this is Stefan this guy Chris was delicious she lets Stefan lick some of his blood off her finger sexily and he says "Mm." and the bartender (laughs) says uh what is going on the bartender's like what the fuck is this Stefan says okay well Caroline and I have a little bet that she would scare you to death And Caroline says, like, literally scare you to death. And Stefan says, but you have to understand, this is her first time messing with somebody, so she didn't realize the whole dead body shock drop thing is a complete cliche. And this guy's like, what do you mean cliche? That uh, that was shocking to me. Yeah, the guy says, that guy was my friend. (laughs) And Caroline says, then why aren't you freaking out more? Like, a panic attack, a heart attack? Give me something. So, of course, now the bartender tries to run away. But Caroline Vampire runs to stop him at the door, and she says, I don't think you heard me. And then she compels him and says, you're having a heart attack. And the bartender says, what? And then he starts to have what he thinks is a heart attack. He holds his chest. He says, what's happening? And Stefan says, "That hey, she's cheating. That's what's happening. And the bartender's like, no, it feels like I'm having a heart attack. The bartender says, please help me. And Stefan says, relax. It's only mental. You only think you're having a heart attack. But then Caroline sees this is working. So she says, oh, now your throat's tightening. And she mimics him choking. He chokes. She says, now you can't breathe. And he can't breathe. So he falls to the ground. And Caroline is laughing her little head off because she just (laughs) discovered something fun. And she says, oh, my God, are those spiders all over your body? The guy freaks out because he imagines spiders all over his body and he can't breathe. And Stefan is annoyed by this. And the bartender dies because he can't breathe, we can assume. Yeah. I mean, pretty sick way to kill somebody. Yeah, S- sad for him. Yeah, her- hard to watch for him, but it but it was pretty creative. I can see why she was excited about it. Yeah, and Caroline says, look at that, I won. Poor guy was so scared that he died of a heart attack. And Stefan says, that is not fair. Technically, he died of a loophole. And Caroline says, well, a win is a win, so you know what we do now? And Stefan says, yes, unfortunately, I do. Karaoke. She's just like me. <laughs> And I was like, oh, we're going to get to see Paul Wesley do some karaoke. He said, no. He's not singing shit. (laughs) He said, you won't see me doing that. (laughs) Yeah, get me away from the microphone. We go over to the Salvatore house. Enzo and Sarah are at the door. And it's like, oh, okay. It's like, sure. Enzo knocks on the door and Sarah says, so you dragged me out of a hospital bed, wasted a tank of gas driving around all night just to bring me to a house in the middle of nowhere. And Enzo says, as soon as this door opens, you are not my problem anymore. And Sarah says, when have I ever been your problem? Which is funny because he made you his problem. Yeah, she was not his problem until he dragged her along. Yeah, he really he really orchestrated the whole thing. And so since your great, great, great uncle Stefan nearly got you killed. And Sarah says, what? Sarah says, oh, that was a girl who was doing that and a guy with eyebrows. 
Yeah. And he was my age, so he couldn't be my uncle. Certainly not my great, great, great uncle. Enzo says, it's time for you to meet your real family. And then Lily opens the door and she says, oh, hi. And you can see that Enzo is shook by her in a way that is yeah. weird to be shook for a stranger. Yeah, and at first I read it as like, oh, did he like see a picture of Damon's mom? Like maybe they were talking about it. Damon had a picture or something. And I was like, no, this is something else. He's scared of her. Um, And Lily says, oh, are you looking for my son? And Enzo says, my mistake. And Lily says, I'm sorry. Have we like to say, have we met? Because mm-hmm. you can't quite place him. Yeah. And Enzo says, I'm sorry. I'm at the wrong house. Terribly sorry to disturb you. Lily closes the door and Enzo grabs Sarah and gets in the car and they drive away. It's funny because Sarah is like, you told me you were going to drop me here and I'm getting back in the car. Yeah, so it was like, I thought my family lived there. Who was that? So she says, what the hell was that? And Enzo says, I've met that woman before in 1903. Ooh, we know that year. And Sarah says, what the fuck? <laughs> Sarah says, how old are you? No, Sarah just says, what? It's a lot of information. And Enzo says, she's the one who turned me into a vampire. You gotta appreciate what a small world it is sometimes. You gotta love it. I know the I know the writers did this, but what are the chances? That Enzo is in that dungeon at Augustine with Damon, the son of the woman who turned him into a vampire. Like, what are the odds? It really was a friendship written in the stars. It really was. Even though they haven't spoken in weeks. Yeah, which I would like to change because I want to see them hang out. You know, I like the two of them. We go over to the Salvatore house. We're in Damon's bathroom. Elena and Damon are in, like, shower towels, slow dancing. Don't you people have somewhere to be? Like... <laughs> Don't you have something to do? I I understand you're in love, but like you're just letting your mother, who you freed from a prison world, answer the door willy nilly. Yeah, number one, you're just letting your mother like roam free downstairs, who you don't trust. Number two, you're familiar with Stefan's humanity off behavior. Isn't it a priority to like nip that in the bud? Yeah, don't you know time is kind of of the essence here. <laughs> anyway, Elena says, "Do you smell something?" And Damon says, "Mom's cooking." And Elena says, is that bacon? And he says, yeah, or some baby she abducted from a nearby village. She wouldn't abduct a baby. She has no interest in being a mother. <laughs> <laughs> then there's not enough meat on it to cook. Yeah. <laughs> not enough blood to feed on. What's the point yeah. of a baby? Yeah. Ass. Ass. <laughs> this one reminds me of my son. Ew. <laughs> Get it out of here. <laughs> Elena says, hey, she can hear us. And so then she turns on the sink. And Elena says, you have to give her a chance, just like I gave you one. She's your mother. It's fair advice. I respect that advice, but we don't have to do anything. From what we know at the beginning of the episode, that sure, advice is fair. Sure. And to be well, fair, this episode, he does give her a chance. Well, that's, you know, they want her to do this favor for them, essentially. So you might as well give her enough of a chance in the day it takes her to do the favor. Yeah. Damon says, she's not my mother. She's a tool to get Stefan's humanity back. Now, Damon, don't try to compartmentalize. You're not good at it. You know that's not how you feel. She's both of those things, and I know you're fighting to ignore the mother part of it, but it is very much there in your consciousness. Damon says, there is no doubt that Stefan and Caroline are fangs deep in bodies right now. The sooner we get our supernatural-born killers out of circulation, the better. So what's with the slow dancing? The, the sooner we get there, the better. Anyway, let's hang out in our towels some more. Anyway, let's have a nice leisurely sit-down <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's enjoy unseasoned eggs and toast, because that's the only thing she knows how to cook. Although I guess she's figuring out a toaster now. You know what? Lily Salvatore is really adjusting to the modern era very quickly in a way that honestly, I think Damon could praise her a bit more for. Elena says, have you seen my t-shirt? And Damon says, I prefer you without one. Okay. 
That's not what I fucking asked. And classic Elena in a towel. She is pushing those boobs up. Nina Dobrev, you know how to pose in a towel, bitch. Yes, and you're so real for that. Elena says, I'm not sure your mom would feel the same way. Like, I need to wear a T-shirt to breakfast. So she goes to open Damon's dresser drawer. And then he kind of panics and vampire runs over to her and hands her a shirt and says, oh, take mine. She says, okay. And then she kisses him and leaves. And we see he freaked out because in his drawer, the cure is just sitting there. One thing about Damon, he's going to hide something somewhere dumb. And it's not even like at the bottom of his T-shirt drawer. It's like halfway behind one shirt. You can put it in the back corner, King. It's like he opened the drawer, put the cure in, and then put one T-shirt on top of it. Come on. (laughs) If you want to hide it from your girlfriend so bad, you're going to have to try a little harder. You have plenty of space in this house. They go downstairs and they're having breakfast. And Elena says, wow, (laughs) it's delicious. Uh, Lily says this was always Damon's favorite. She calls it eggy and basky. It's clearly like the egg in a hole toast. Yeah, toad in a hole. Whatever you want to call it. There's a there's There's a hundred names names for it. it. But eggy and basky. It's funny to call it that. I know Damon feels so infantilized. Yeah, he hates this bitch. Yeah, he's like he used to call it that right after he wet his bed. Yeah. And Damon says, it doesn't taste like I remember. Okay, little tantrum boy. It's egg and toast. I'm sure it tastes fine. Well, first of all, Lily says, well, you were human the last time you tasted. Our tastes change over time. But also, you last ate it in what? I mean, generously, 1856? Yeah. Do you think maybe eggs and bread are kind of perfected a little bit more now? Yeah, do you think we figured out how to put more salt in butter? Yeah, like, I think it's going to be better. And Lily says, oh, but Elena, you're fairly new, aren't you? And Elena says, yeah, I turned a few years ago. And Lily says, do you ever miss it, being human? Knowing that she overheard the conversation and brought this up, it's kind of a serve. I think she is really, truly curious, like, if Elena even wants this cure, because she heard about this. Damon's not sure he's going to give it to her. I think she is, like, curious, like, if Elena does want to be human, because she doesn't know all these people. She's just trying to get a feel for the relationships. But I also think, you know... She's not a fucking idiot. She can tell that Damon is pussyfooting around bringing her friends back. It couldn't hurt her to get some leverage. Yeah, that is true. Even if she, and I do believe she came upon the information for the cure relatively accidentally. I mean, I feel like she was eavesdropping. She's like, oh, but it behooves her to get some information that she can use. So I don't blame her. Yeah. Well, also it, it behooves her to just understand what the situation is between her sons and whatever else is happening. Well, she's figuring out a stove for the first time. So she's yeah. got a lot happening. So, and you know, Heidi Strop too, I'd be curious. Yeah, I want to know what's going on with my son. You brought me into your house. Yeah, exactly. And you know, not for nothing, I've been a vampire since 1858. I'm intrigued by the concept of a cure. And also, this has been my thing forever. I'm a vampire. I'm eavesdropping all the time. And if I'm a vampire and I know there's other vampires in the house, I'm just going to always operate under the assumption that I'm being eavesdropped on. Mm -hmm. So when he's talking to Bonnie and he knows Lily's here, turn on the damn sink. Yeah, I don't know why they don't assume everyone's eavesdropping. I mean, I know you guys all trust each other. But me personally, if I'm a vampire, and I frankly take this approach as a human too. Yeah. I don't say anything out loud that I don't feel comfortable someone else knowing. Yeah. Because people don't keep secrets. I don't keep secrets. Why would I expect other people to? One thing about me as a human, I eavesdrop as much as humanly possible. If I had super hearing, I would be knowing everything. I read people's texts that they're writing. I read people's emails. Like, I am paying attention to what you're doing. Yeah. 
if you're sitting next to me on a bus, I'm intrigued by what you're going through. And if I can hear your phone, even better. Exactly. Like, sorry, I'm just going to, I'm just supposed to sit there and not pay attention to the people around me, please. It's like free TV. Anyway, Lily <laughs> says, oh, do you ever miss being human? And Elena says, sometimes, Damon gives Lily a look because he doesn't want this conversation to be opened, even though he doesn't even know Lily knows about the cure. Because mm-hmm. you can tell at this point, Damon's leaning, don't give Elena the cure. Yeah. He doesn't really want it to be brought up. Yeah, and I think he's not super interested in like Lily getting to know Elena that well because he's kind of like, we're getting rid of her after this. We're not opening this relationship up. We don't want to open my relationship up. He also has a, I mean, again, he's acting with a certain childishness with Lily, which I think is just, you know, a response to childhood trauma, et cetera. But so I think there's a part of him that's like, no, Elena's mine. You can't talk to her. Yeah. This is my life. You don't get to be in it. Yeah, you didn't want to be in my life when I was younger, so you don't get to be in it now. Mm -hmm. Lily says, okay, I'll change the subject. If I understood correctly, in order to free my companions from the place I was trapped, we'll need the magical device. She said, oh, you don't want to talk about the cure? Fine, let's go back to this. He said, fine, I've got something else. Damon says, the Ascendant. And Lily says, great, where is the Ascendant? And Damon says, it's very safe. And Lily (laughs) says, we'll also need a celestial event. And Damon says, yeah, we'll have to do some digging. Be patient. You know, they take time. They're rare. (laughs) <laughs> liar and and lily says oh there's a full moon coming up will that work if not the leard's meteor showers in two weeks it's crazy neither of those count yeah but what's <laughs> so funny about that is like like a full moon is like one of the ones that always counts yeah like a full moon is definitely one i hope no one showed her like a moon phase calendar because she didn't have to figure it out i don't think someone showed it to her i think she did figure out google because damon says well, lucky you if you're not a one-woman farmer's almanac. And she says, actually, I took your advice. I've been dabbling on Stefan's computer. What a wondrous invention. All that knowledge. This bitch loves Google. I mean, if I had never seen a computer before and I found out about Google, I'd be looking everything up. Because I'd also be like, what's a cool invention since 1903? Like, I'd want to know what's been happening. Yeah, I'd just been Googling history since 1903. <laughs> but also, she probably was like, oh, we'll need a celestial event. She probably found a very easily readable PDF of a celestial events calendar. Yeah. Like, it's over for y'all. Why'd you let her on the computer? Like, she wouldn't have figured that out on her own. It would have at least taken her some time. Well, yeah, here's my question. Who moved the mouse away from the screensaver? That screensaver would have kept her busy for a week if you guys were careful about it. She probably did it herself. She's dabbling. She loves to learn. Mm -hmm. She loves to know things. That's why she eavesdrops. (laughs) She's just like me. (laughs) Damon says, and videos of cats riding robot vacuum cleaners. And Lily says, what is a vacuum? (laughs) Elena's phone buzzes, and then she gasps. Damon says, is everything all right? And Elena says, it's Joe. Someone's been attacking people at Whitmore. And Damon says, oh, let me guess. One is blonde, and the other likes turning people into human Pez dispensers. And Elena says, that's exactly what I'm going to go find out. Thank you so much for breakfast. And she leaves. And Lily's like, so are these, is one of those Stefan? Is Stefan blonde now? (laughs) (laughs) We go out to Enzo's car, back to check in on Enzo and Sarah. And Sarah says, who is that woman? And how do you even know who my family is? And how do I not know this? Enzo doesn't even want to get into this because he knows he's not going to explain it well for her to understand. He said, girly, we are in season six. He's like, there is so much backstory here. And you just asked me three separate questions that all have their own extensive backstory. (laughs) So he says, because your uncle Stefan compelled you to forget, to keep you a secret from your other uncle Damon after he killed your parents. And you would have shared their fate had it not been for your other uncle. And Sarah says, that's who you were taking me to? And Enzo says, well, no, actually. 
the good brother recently went bad. I was hoping to leave you with the bad brother who is actually less bad now than the good brother. And Sarah says, I don't understand any of this. Sarah's like, this does not sound like a family I'm particularly interested in joining. And Enzo says, I could try repeating it, but it won't be any clearer the second time. (laughs) So then he changes the subject and he says, look, you wanted to know who that woman is. She's the most dreadful person I've ever met. After the story, that that's hyperbole. So we do a flashback to 1903, Southampton, England. Which is actually, now that I think about it, that's interesting. Because Enzo later suggests sending Sarah to Southampton. And originally, oh. I thought he meant like the Hamptons in New York. So did I. I'm just, I think that's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. He said, if I never left Southampton, things might be okay. And you might as well go there. Enzo, who, he has some drama in his head, man. <laughs> <laughs> mommy issues don't even begin to explain it. He must have some mommy issues, whether we get into him at any point with that or not. But like his attachment to her and to Miss Maggie, like he is clinging for connection. I mean, deep and obvious loneliness. Alaric hit the nail on the head with that yeah. one. Yeah, th- I mean, that was accurate. Anyway, so we go to 1903 England. This is pre-Lily's boat incident. Some cop shoves Enzo to the ground and says, no sick passengers. Maybe he's not a cop. Maybe he's like a boat guy. Whatever. A boat cop. A boat cop. (laughs) Enzo is coughing a bunch and says, I have a ticket. I've paid. And the guy's like, that wasn't the issue. (laughs) And the boat cop says, oh, yeah, we're not running a sick ward. (laughs) And Enzo says, but there's a doctor on that ship. He can help me. We later find out that doctor couldn't have helped him. Doctor's a charlatan. Yeah, that doctor's just collecting checks on that boat. How do you think he got on the boat? Literally. The boat cop says, get lost, mate, before you infect us all with your consumption. In case we didn't realize that what he had was consumption. Yeah, if we didn't know what consumption looked like. So the boat cop kicks him into the hay. And then Enzo coughs up some more blood, as people with consumption are known to do. Yeah, that's their whole gag. Then we hear, like, a neck snap. And the boat cop falls to the ground dead. And Enzo is scared, obviously. Because this guy just died next to him. (laughs) Yeah. And he looks up and he sees a hand in a white glove. And he says, who are you? And it's Lily, dressed in all white. She's so served for this. (laughs) And she says, someone who sees you need a doctor. And Enzo says, well, I appreciate that. But even if I could get past quarantine, I seem to have lost my ticket. And she says, I can be of some help with that. Come, we don't have much time. He takes her hand and they go. And Enzo narrates, which brings us back into the car. Uh, He says, I thought I was on my way to a new life, aided by the classiest woman I had ever met. By the time the ship docked in New York Harbor, every soul on board was dead, including me. So he's like, okay, so that's my tea. He turns to Sarah and he compels her. He says, you're going to forget everything you know about your real family. You're going to wake up safe in your dorm, having forgotten you ever heard the name Salvatore. This is a valiant effort. You should have done this about two weeks ago, Enzo. I've been saying this was not your best gig. There, there was no point dealing with her, but I, I get where you were coming from, King, but it, we're done. Sarah, however, says, or you're finally going to tell me the whole story. And Enzo says, awesome. So you're on for vain. Enzo says, of course. Thank you today. I know. He's like, yeah, that's, that seems right. <laughs> um, she says, yeah. And then she injects him with some vervain. And she says, your friend Matt stopped by the hospital and gave me some. Matt, if you don't butt the hell out, I mean. (laughs) 
Enzo grunts and pulls the needle out. He does get weaker. We know he has a higher vervain tolerance, but eventually she obviously does. Well, she ends up knocking him out, we can maybe assume, but also we find out later Enzo wasn't ever really like trapped. Yeah. He's probably just stalling till the vervain leaves her system and he knows she's not going to kill him because she doesn't seem that smart. He likes to tell a story about himself. He likes to to weave a web. So he's like, sure. And again, deep and obvious loneliness. Like, who else is he going to talk to? Yeah. All love. All the love in the world, Enzo. <laughs> and I think he knows that. He's like, you know what? Now that I'm faced with this reminder of my past, I would kind of like to talk about it. Yeah. We go over to Skolber. People are studying. Caroline is on stage. She is singing Hit Me With Your Best Shot. Candace King's team this season... They worked. They said, she's singing this year, bitch. Yeah. And not just once. (laughs) A couple times. And not just at the funeral. Something sad. No. Give her a fun one, too. I love her doing karaoke at fucking 8 a.m. at this campus, like, restaurant bar. Serve. No one is into it. Everyone is, like, shaking their heads. Everyone is like, someone turn this mic off. Like, we're studying. We're all drinking orange juice. And then some girl turns to her and says, hey, Taylor Swift, we're trying to study here. <laughs> and she says, oh, thank you. She says, I love Taylor nice. Swift. The girl saying this is, where is the manager here? And Stefan walks up to her uh, because Caroline points her out. And Stefan says, did someone ask for a manager? Now, it's not me. But <laughs> <laughs> we go to the alley behind Skullbar. Matt and Tyler are like on a run or just leaving training or something, whatever. I was wondering when we were going to catch up with these two losers now that they're in cop school. Yeah, the two cops. I guess I should say the two wannabe cops. Yeah. They're talking about training. Tyler says, I didn't break his ribs. He got the wind knocked out of him. And Matt says the guy was out for 20 seconds. (laughs) Tyler says, maybe he's not cut out for a tactical training program. We're not there to bust up keggers. Aren't you, though? Uh, What exactly do you think small town cops are going to do? And what do you mean tactical training program? What? Cop offers that. Join the army. Mystic Falls PD has a tactical training program. Obviously with the vampire attacks, maybe it couldn't hurt them to have it, but clearly they don't because no cop has ever stood a chance against anyone. Even Elena, (laughs) pre-vampire. Matt says, you want some food? And Tyler says, you want some food, Officer Lockwood? And Matt says, dork. You're not officers yet, and it's still dorky even if you were. We go inside Skullborough. Caroline is still singing. Stefan is sitting with the girl who was complaining, but he has cut her hand and is having her like drain some blood into a mug for him while they watch. And everyone in the borough is now watching Caroline silently. Yeah, so it's pretty clear what happened here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so the vibe is certainly weird. So Tyler says, hey, what did we just walk into? I'll tell you what, if you have to ask that question, just walk right back out. You you know their humanities off. I walk in and I... See that? I'm like, mm. I say, oh, no. not today. I'm going to eat somewhere else. I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> I don't care how good the fish and chips are here. I can go like eat McDonald's if I have to. Because I know they have good fish and chips or a nice clam chowder, but that's okay. Today, a filet fish will do. I know their clam chowder eats down. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan says, oh, look, it's the police officers in training. Are you guys here to arrest us? And then he turns to the girl who complained and he says, you can go away now. And she runs. Tyler says, hey, what the hell are you doing? And Stefan drinks a little bit of his blood mug and says, just enjoying the music. You guys want next song? You can see Caroline in the back dancing her little booty off. Yeah. Matt says, you know what? We should get out of here. And Stefan vampire runs to stop them and says, no, stay. Caroline's taking requests. 
so we have to imagine that Stefan requested Hit Me With Your Best Shot. <laughs> I bet. I mean, it's a good song. It rocks. I bet he requested something else and she was like, mm, pass. He's, he's like, can you sing Living on a Prayer? And she said, no. Yeah, he said, you know any Bon Jovi? <laughs> she said, I'm not Lexi. You're going to need to find someone else for that. Yeah. We go to Damon's car. He's driving really fast. And Lily is scared because, mind you, she has probably not been in a car before. She's probably never traveled that fast in her entire life. Yeah. In any in any form. Damon hands her his phone and says, here, text Elena. Tell her we're headed to campus to check it out. See those letters. Think of it as a mini typewriter. And she looks at them and she says, oh, you're right. It is just like a mini typewriter. And she starts to text and she reads as she does. She says, my dearest Elena, I hope this finds you well. Classic enchanted baloney we're dealing with here. Yeah. Classic, like, learning how a phone works. Damon says, no, short and sweet. Just headed to campus. And when we find them, I'll take care of Caroline. You look Stefan right in the eyes. Lily says, and I will return him to the man he used to be. And Damon says, exactly. And Lily says, once we've done that, then we will go rescue my friends. And Damon says, sure. Yeah, Damon says, sure, why not? (laughs) I know how terribly concerned you are about them. And Lily says, okay, how should I end this text? With an I love you? Because she's trying to also figure out, I think, his relationship to Elena. Yeah. She's like, how in love is he exactly? Yeah, not enough to tell her about the cure. Yeah. She's like, maybe it's new. And so she's anyway, she's investigating. He says, knock yourself out. And she says, you do love her, don't you? Damon says, not that it's any of your business, but yes, I do. And she loves me. We are in the love. (laughs) And Lily says, and you're afraid you'll ruin it all if you give her that cure. And he says, excuse me? And Damon said, he says, who told you? (laughs) She says, last night when your friend Bonnie was over. And Damon says, you spied on me. And Lily says, well, I didn't mean to eavesdrop. I'm just not used to hearing other voices. I couldn't help but listen. And it's not every day that someone hears something so rare as the cure for vampirism. Do you believe that she is so innocent and that she did accidentally eavesdrop? I think she accidentally eavesdropped, but I think she's certainly happy she did. Yes, I agree. Because I also do think that, like, if you don't know about the cure, that is shocking news. Well, and I just, I think, like, again, she's in a house. Like, it's a big house, but it's not so large that she, like, can't hear things. And she heard people talking, so curiosity got the best of her. Yeah. Damon says, well, let's not bring it up to anyone else, okay? He's trying to play it cool, but she's not stupid. She says, you mean don't bring it up with Elena? And he said, okay, can you stop with this? And he says, well, you know, I don't even know if she wants the cure. And what Lily could say here is she obviously does, you fucking idiot. Even I can see that. Well, and obviously you know. Yeah. Like, whether the answer is whatever I think it is or not, I'm certain you know the answer. But Lily does say, yet you fear she might. And if you give it to her, you'll lose her. And then she says what Damon might consider the meanest thing she could possibly say, which is, we're more alike than you care to admit, Damon. And then she says, neither of us can bear the thought of being alone. Ain't that true for both of y'all. Ain't that true. We go over to Whitmore Medical, the hospital. Elena is treating some guy. She says, he's unconscious, but I gave him some of my blood, so his vitals have stabilized. The old Meredith fell. Joe says, the more these victims pile up, the harder it is to hide the reason they're here. And Elena says, yeah, I know. That's why I'm hoping Damon and his mom find them soon. And Joe says, I'm sorry. Did you just say Damon's mom? Isn't she like long dead? Yeah, didn't she die in the 1800s? Elena (laughs) says, no, she was trapped in a 1903 prison world where Kai is currently trapped. And Joe says, Kai's in a 1903 prison world? Joe says, one, there's a 1903 prison world. Two, Kai's there? Elena says, I'm sorry, has nobody told you this? 
Joe says, I'm on hour 13 of a 12-hour shift. Maybe someone could have shot me a text. I'm sure everyone was like, ah, we'll deal with Joe later. The only one who would have texted you is Alaric, and no one texted Alaric. Yeah, and the only other person other than Alaric is like maybe Elena. Yeah. Elena's like, I'll see you later. Someone else must have told her. Yeah. Joe says, so Kai's gone. And Elena says, as in for good. Because famously, no one's ever gotten out of a prison world before. He'll definitely stay in there with the six other people that this woman desperately wants out. Uh huh. Yeah, with the six other siphon vampires. Yeah. Let's, I mean, whatever. Let's, Let's get all into be that serious. later. Let's get into that later. Joe grabs her stomach and she's like, oh my God, it's such amazing news that Kai is gone. Like, really amazing news. And Elena says, oh, you're pregnant because she can pick up on fucking clues. Yeah, it's pretty darn obvious. Joe nods. And Elena says, I was wondering why you switched to decaf, especially while working a 13 hour shift. And Joe says, the last thing this baby needs is an uncle psychopath. And Elena says, you and Alaric are having a baby. Joe, this is amazing. She hugs her and she says, I'm so happy for you. But she looks like depressed as fuck. She's doing her best to cover it, but she cannot cover it. Yeah, she is like, she's happy for this news, obviously, but she is deeply unhappy about it. Yeah. And I can't blame her. Yeah. She's been accepting her vampire fate a lot, but. But she hasn't had to face it in the same way she did when she started. Because like. Things have been happening. They've been overwhelmed. But now it's like, oh, I'm in love again. And I'm just here. Yeah. We go over to what I think is Sarah's apartment. It's got a bunch of photos on the wall. Well, it's, it's got, got the like, big lights. like lighting things. Yeah. Seems, seems like her apartment. Yeah. Slash photography studio. Yeah. Enzo wakes up. He's tied up with, I mean, like the smallest string you can find. Yeah. It, you see that, and it's like, okay, he's fine. She couldn't even get a zip tie? Come on. Yeah. Might as well have used yarn. How about some vervain lace rope? I mean, come on, girl. Matt just gave her, like, one coffee cup of vervain and was like, that'll do it. I guess that's what happens when um you don't give a fuck about vampires. Yeah, you don't take it as a serious threat because you're like, I don't give a fuck about you guys. Yeah. Enzo says, little old you did all this. You've made a mistake. And Sarah says, I know. Starting with trusting my vampire stalker. Yeah, you should have never trusted this guy. Yeah, it was weird that you gave him so much entry into your life, for sure. Yeah. She says, who arranged for me to befriend a blue-eyed bartender so I could witness him getting run over and you playing the part of the hero. Number one, he's not even a bartender. He's a (laughs) busboy. He said, Matt wishes he was a bartender. And she says, while you were sleeping, I went through your phone and saw your texts to Matt. So, I mean, I know that we have to, like, have suspension of disbelief here. But it's so funny to think that the texts were like, thank you for letting me hit you with my car today. So, like, like, they didn't talk about this. Hey, Matt, just to recap, that was indeed me that hit me with your car in case you doubted it. (laughs) And the reason, in case you couldn't figure it out, is so that I could play the part of hero. Since I made you befriend Sarah. Anyway. Anyway, see you later. See you tomorrow. Come on. Anyway, aren't you mad you tried to kill me? Didn't that end bad for you? <laughs> Enzo says, that saves me an awkward conversation. And Sarah says, I'm an idiot forever trusting you. Yeah, girl, water's wet. I mean, I mean, I mean, you said it. Like, what do you want me to say? You were just believing a lot of shit, okay? And that's fine. But let's all remember street smarts exist and we, we can cultivate them a little. Yeah. Enzo says, don't beat yourself up. I remember what it was like to be so naive. And then we see him when he was naive because we go back to 1903. 
Enzo is in the boat hospital. <laughs> <laughs> There's not really a better way to say it. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't, you know, I don't, I'm, I don't claim to know much about like 1903 boats. Yeah. I find it hard to believe there were hospitals on them. Well, like infirmaries. Okay. I People guess. get sick at sea, like a nurse's office. I kind of thought in 1903, they were like, well, and chucked them overboard. I mean, that is, that's basically what they're doing with them. Yeah. That's why they didn't let any on the boat. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so he's being checked up by, you know, a doctor, but not really. He's got a stethoscope and he holds his, you know, stethoscope to Enzo's chest and says, the bacilli have spread to most of your lungs, carving cavities in the tissue. The bleeding will continue. Nice stethoscope. Yeah. <laughs> sign number one that you can't trust this i mean i'm guy. sure he can hear like like whistly noises maybe but... yeah and i'm sure it's like they actually i don't know how, how they know if they know how consumption works they must yeah but like i'm sure he's like yeah sounds bad guess it's this level guess it's consumption anyway that'll be four thousand dollars please <laughs> lily is there for this checkup as well and enzo says oh but you can stop it and the doctor says i believe so but the dosage required at this late stage is expensive. And Lily says, well, payment isn't an issue provided your curative is effective. And of course, the charlatan says, oh, it is. He says, well, it definitely is. That I can say for sure. So then Lily compels him and says, how many people have you saved with this? Be truthful. And he says, oh, none. I promise them health. And then I sell them lavender mixed with castor oil. He said, absolutely zero. <laughs> and Enzo <laughs> says, well, why are you saying that? Yeah, Enzo's like, hey, like you just said you were going to save me. Why are you admitting to this now? <laughs> he says, I thought you could help me. And Lily says, well, he lied. I mean, this is a lot of information to take for anybody. But Enzo's at like the end stages of consumption. He's exhausted. Like, he's like, what is happening to me? He says, Am I going to be saved or not? <laughs> Lily turns back to the doctor and says, what is this man's true prognosis? And he says, oh, well, he'll die within the week. Chances are he's never going to see land again. And Enzo's like, hey. He's like, what? That's bad news. So Lily says, okay, leave us. And the doctor, charlatan, goes. Enzo says, you should go as well. I do not wish to repay your acts of kindness by infecting you. And she's like, oh, don't worry about that. Yeah, she says, that's <laughs> not a problem. She says, well, you can't because I've already had consumption. And he says, oh, how do you survive? He's looking for tips and tricks. Yeah. She says, I didn't. And he says, what are you, an angel? And she smiles because she's like, that's why I'm wearing all white to give you that impression. I think this is a this is a choice she's making. She wants people to think she is an angel. Oh, I do think she's giving that. I mean, I think she does want to be seen as an angel, but I don't think she wants to deal with any of the repercussions or actual like, consequences. I mean, when you think about that, she went to go see Stefan the night she died. She wanted to appear as an angel. That's how she wants people to think of her when, mm -hmm. because she knows that she is not. Yeah, she doesn't want to actually do the work for people to think she's an angel. So she's like, I'll just come in at a really weak point wearing white and that'll do it. She'd rather be remembered as an angel who helped them one time than be known as like an imperfect person who was there all the time. Yeah. The Salvatore family, not one, not one healthy person there. Damon and Stefan had no shot. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there was just, it was over from the start. Yeah. And then when Catherine got introduced, it was, it was even more over than Yeah. I mean, Catherine. Catherine said, oh, I can fuck these guys up even more. He said, easy targets. We go over to Skullbar. Caroline is still singing. Everyone else is gone except Matt and Tyler. Everyone else has left Skullbar. We catch Caroline like finishing up a song. She doesn't really sing anything. She just does a little closer pose. 
Matt and Tyler clap unenthusiastically. They do like two claps each. Come on, guys. Well, you have to imagine they've been here a while. (laughs) I'm sure this is like the fifth song. Yeah. (laughs) Tyler says, look, we listened to you sing. We clapped our hands. Can we go now? And Caroline says, no, let's play Caroline trivia. She said, no, this day is going to be about me. Tyler says, I don't know what that is. It's in the title. It's in the title and it looks like you're not set to win. Yeah. Caroline says, oh, sure you do. You both dated me, which means you should know everything about me. So I'm going to ask you some questions about myself and whoever answers them right lives. Matt's like, well, this isn't fair. I didn't listen to you. (laughs) Matt (laughs) says, you're sick. I don't know anything about you. (laughs) We dated. (laughs) Caroline says, when is my birthday, Tyler? Tyler says, October 10th. He nailed it. Got to give it to Tyler. I was worried he wouldn't get it. I'll be honest with you. Me too. Thank you, Tyler. <laughs> Caroline says, very good. Matt, your turn. What is my favorite color? And Matt says, that's a trick question. You don't have a favorite color. And Caroline says, correct. <laughs> Which is like, okay. <laughs> it's clearly yellow, girl. Like, I know. Girl, if I you want me you. to say it for you. <laughs> yeah. Caroline says, okay, now a tiebreaker. Whoever answers first wins. What was my mom's final memory before she died? And they're like, we weren't dating you when that happened. Tyler says, how would we even begin to know that? (laughs) I respect Tyler a lot this episode because he's at least being honest. Yeah. Like, he's not doing a whole fake thing. He's like, why would I know that? Yeah. Caroline (laughs) says, I'm sure I mentioned it at some point. And Matt says, no, you didn't. (laughs) Matt's like, I think I would remember that. This is because since it happened, we had a funeral and then you turned your humanity off. Yeah. And also Tyler even missed the funeral. So yeah. we don't know. <laughs> Caroline says, TikTok. Judges are waiting for a final answer. What was my mom's final memory before she kicked the bucket? Stefan makes an entrance. He's got blood on his mouth. And he says, well, looks like Whitmore is going to need a new philosophy, T.A. He wipes the blood off. And then he says, your mother was teaching you how to ride a bike. And Caroline says, bingo, Stefan wins, which means you two lose, which isn't really that bad because now that just means we get to kill the both of you. Caroline and Stefan smile. They're like, well, this wasn't a fair game. Yeah, we set this up for failure. You set this up so we'd both lose. Yeah. Which, you know, now that I'm saying that out loud, I don't know why I didn't see that coming. But... Yeah. And I know Matt's used to being a loser, but not me. This <laughs> is Tyler. Oh, Tyler's used to being a loser. Yeah. Just ask Klaus. Yeah, he's gotten more comfortable with it. <laughs> he's learned. We go over to the hospital. Joe says, judging from the victims, they started at the library, took out a couple security guards in the football field, then wandered over to the movie theater. And we see a bunch of alive people, so they haven't really killed anybody. Yeah, like there's a bunch of people in the hospital that are getting care instead of, you know, in body bags. So it's looking like not that bad of a day. And it is quite possible that some of them are being cared for by vampire blood, but still. Elena says, you know what the most shocking part of all this is? That I'm not shocked. And Joe says, okay, yeah, Doctor 101 becoming desensitized goes with the territory. And Elena says, actually, the reason I'm not shocked is because I've been in their shoes. And I was just as bad. I think you can make the argument that Elena was never this bad when her humanity was off. I mean, yeah, she was a bitch for absolute sure. Yeah. And she was feeding on people, but she wasn't killing a ton of people. She killed like that one waitress. Yeah. But it was more just to be a bitch to Stefan and Damon. Yeah, she was mostly just being a bitch to people, which like is fine. She just stole Caroline's prom dress. Which was bad, but not like as bad as killing a bunch of people. It's not bad. It's not as bad as killing Tyler and Matt. Yeah. Elena says, this is just one big horrible reminder that there's always going to be a part of me capable of doing what they're doing. And Joe says, but you're not going to let that happen. 
You're going to be too busy running your small town family practice and curing little Stevie of the chicken pox. And Elena says, for a while, maybe. Until little Stevie becomes teenage Steven and I haven't aged a day. And Joe's like, well, then you move. Like, uh, sorry. (laughs) Elena is reckoning with this for the first time in a while. And it's freaking her out. I think she put it off for a while because she was like falling in love with Damon Mm -hmm. and, you know, finding out who she was a little bit more. And now she like feels confident who she is and her wanting to be with Damon. And now it's like, okay, so then this is just my life now. This is my entire life. Well, and when she started college, it was like, oh, yay, college is my besties and I'm I can do whatever I want. Like, I'm going to be young forever. There's like something fun there. Yeah. And now she's like, fuck. She's like forced with the idea of the future and like the idea that the future could just be the same as the present, which yeah. like you can change your future in different ways when you're immortal. But it is always like it's not the same type of future she envisioned her whole life. Yeah. She's always going to look 18. Yeah. Joe says, have you told Damon about this? I saw how you reacted when you found out I was pregnant and the next eternity of your life flashed before your eyes and it scared the crap out of you. And Elena does try to cover it up because she is jealous, but she doesn't want to make Joe feel bad about it. Yeah. She says, I'm just really happy for you and Alaric. And Joe says, Alaric, who used to be a vampire, now is a human having a kid. Have you discussed this with your boyfriend? And Elena says, he knows how I feel, but he also knows there's nothing we can do to change that. So there's no point in dwelling. And Joe says, okay. We go over to Sarah's apartment. Sarah says, how do I know you're not the one who's been mind controlling me, making me believe this messed up family history? Good question. I mean, you should have asked this a while ago. Yeah. Enzo says, you were ripped from the womb of a dead woman. Stefan compelled away the truth, but the emotional scars still linger. How else do you explain your morbid fascinations? Like the hanging of Mary Surratt, which is a poster she has on the wall of a woman (laughs) being hanged. Mm-hmm. And Enzo says, hardly a motivational poster, now is it? Yeah, he's like, that's super weird art to have in your room. <laughs> Sarah says, yeah, well, there's something about death that I find, I don't know. And Enzo says, alluring? He's like, that is literally my point. He says, well, let me tell you, you can't truly appreciate death until you've stood at its precipice. Back to me now. She's like, I mean, I'm sure, <laughs> like, I don't think I know death better than someone who died. Like, do you want a prize for knowing death better than me? Yeah. Should we throw a party? Should we invite Bella Hadid? (laughs) We go back to 1903. Lily is humming a lullaby and pressing a cold compress on a weak Enzo in bed. And Enzo says, I haven't heard that song since I was a boy. Lily says, yeah, I bet. Lily's like, you sound a lot like my son. Shut up. (laughs) Enzo says, why are you doing this? And Lily says, is it so hard to believe someone could do you a kindness? And Enzo says, I was abandoned at a workhouse at the age of four. Not a place known for its kindness. Damn. You've been through it, Enzo. (laughs) He had to get to work. He grew up, worked, got (laughs) sick, got turned, got abandoned, got kidnapped. I mean, no wonder he has a deep sense of loneliness. Yeah. No wonder he attaches to any woman who shows him any bit of kindness. Yeah. Lily says, I too know what it is to be tossed aside like rubbish. I was sent to a sanatorium to rot, left to die, abandoned by my own husband who prayed that I would be gone quickly, not so I would be spared pain and misery, but so he would be unburdened by me. This is an interesting wrinkle because it gives us more insight into Lily pre-death 
mm-hmm. because we've been meant to believe so far that like she got consumption and died pretty quickly mm-hmm. and that you know kind of Stefan and Damon could kind of like see her getting worse it seems like Giuseppe sent her to a sanatorium and it's unclear if he sent her there pre or post consumption diagnosis assuming yeah. that she's telling the truth what do you make yeah. of this I mean this does sound like Giuseppe mm-hmm. just because of you know who he is and I think there are a number of issues that could have arisen to him because she's not super maternal, which probably is amplified post-vampirism, but is certainly something that he probably identified, not that he's a paternal guy either. Well, we don't know that she wasn't maternal pre-vampire because we know that Stefan and Damon loved her. So we have to imagine she was at least a little bit maternal. That's true. I guess I have a hard time seeing it go away completely. Like if there's some maternal part, which maybe it hasn't. I mean, we'll talk more about her maternal instincts when we get later. But I think we have to assume that she was maternal, but perhaps not the kind of wife Giuseppe wanted. Well, yeah. And maybe a little too supportive of her sons doing what they wanted or whatever, because we know Giuseppe did not support his sons in most ways. Well, knowing Giuseppe, I mean... He probably wanted to be like in control of everything, how everyone thought. And clearly, you know, that's where he ran into issues with Stefan and Damon. You have to imagine that if Lily had a differing opinion from him, he wasn't super fond of that part of her. Well, that's the thing. Like, we don't know if she knew anything about vampires before she was turned. Yeah. But you could see like her learning about vampires and being like, I think you're painting with a pretty broad brush, Giuseppe. Like, I think we need to have some some gray areas, and he was like, oh, fuck that. Get out of my house. (laughs) I'm anti-Giuseppe, if nothing else. Yeah. Lily says, but I was given a reprieve, and it was only once I was unshackled from a life that didn't want me that I found my true family. We'll talk more about that kind of sentiment. Her unshackled from her life, finding her true family, etc. But Mm -hmm. I do think this episode is a testament to Annie Wershing's acting because... Regardless of how much you trust her, I think you do like get the sense that she is that she believes what she's saying is true, that she believes that she's doing as best she can. Yeah, I get that. I just don't trust her. And I think she's, you know, and we have reasons not to trust her that we get confirmed later. And I do think as a result of that and kind of how she handles these situations, I don't necessarily trust how she treats Stefan and Damon. So I'm concerned with them, but I do think, you know, at the end of the day, most people are doing the best they can. And I think it's just sad for Stefan and Damon because I, I do believe that she considers these other people, her family in a Mm -hmm. way. And I don't think she realizes quite how hurtful that is for her to say to Dan sure. and and eventually Stefan. I was going to bring this up later and I'll talk about it later, but I'll bring it up now because this is where the direction is heading. I think we can't discount the fact that the family she was trying to leave was not necessarily Stefan and Damon. The family she yeah. was trying to leave was Giuseppe. And through no fault of Stefan and Damon's, they probably remind her of Giuseppe. And I think that's probably a part of it. It's not one of those, I mean, it was like 1858. It's not like she can like leave Giuseppe with her and take her sons with her. Yeah. Like that's not an option that's on the table for her. Exactly. So 
I do respect that. Especially if she has consumption. Because it, yeah. it is unclear also if she had consumption and someone turned her and she had no idea or if like she had consumption and she sought out being turned. But either way, she couldn't take her sons with her if she had consumption. Yeah. And I, I do respect getting away from Giuseppe because he is horrible. Yeah, that we know. And I, I can't imagine he was a good husband in any sense of the word. So I understand that. I just... You don't trust her. I, I worry for her reactions post-turning and to not have any interest in seeking out her sons, which in a way I I understand her explanation for that, but I don't think it's the truth. Interesting. Enzo says, oh, is that where you're heading to like meet your family, your true family that you're talking about? She says, no, I could never bear to be apart from them. They're not my sons. Just kidding. <laughs> she says, they're here traveling with me. Like you and I, they're outcasts. So outcasts, in fact, that they don't get cabins on this boat. And also, her calling them outcasts is an interesting Easter. word once we learn later that they were outcast from the Gemini the coven. coven. Yeah. She says, you could join us. You'd never be alone again. He coughs up some more blood. and He says, it would appear the end is coming. And she says, or the beginning. She cuts her hand, pours some of her blood in a glass and says, drink this, Lorenzo. We go over to Whitmore. Damon and Lily are walking through like a hallway where there's classrooms. And Lily says, if your brother's on the hunt, he won't be staying in one place. And Damon says, well, we have to start somewhere. Elena said she treated a kid who was attacked coming out of modern European history. And then he gets a text and he says, mother knows best. Elena says they're at Skullbar. Come on. And it's hysterical because he said Skullbar. And I did not know <laughs> that this bar ever had a name. I feel stupider every time. Lily says, we've yet to discuss what we'll do if Stefan fails to remember me. And Damon says, are you kidding? You're his mother. Of course he's going to remember you. Tell me you can do this. And she says, well, what if I say the wrong thing? You know, a century and a half is a long time to be away. And he says, you'll be fine. Just channel whatever you were feeling when you came back to get us. Oh, Damon. She's like, what are you talking about? And this is so sad because the only clue he had that that's what she was doing is Kai one time saying like, maybe she was coming back for you sarcastically. Yeah. It's like, oh, Damon, no. This does show that as much as Damon is like pushing her away and having a little tantrum, he does believe and want his mom to still love them and want to be there for them. And then it's like, oh, I was still being stupid. Awesome. This is why I am inclined to trust Lily. Mm -hmm. A truly nefarious person would have been prepared to get this story straight. That's fair. But she is so like, Oh, well, I never can. Like, she's just like, she's so like, well, the truth is, no, I didn't come back for you. She's not like, right, when I came back for you. So that's why I'm inclined to trust her, particularly in this interaction. Um, She says, oh, when I came back to get you? She says, when was that? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> he says, yeah, in 1903, you found out we were vampires, landed at New York Harbor after a 40-year romp in Europe. And she said, oh, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see she's like starting to cry. And he's like, Oh, you weren't coming to get us. And she says, no, sorry, I wasn't. Ouch. <laughs> and Damon says, okay, uh, pushing that aside for now, you can do this. All you have to do is try. And she says, you know what? I've been trying, Damon. Since I laid my eyes on you yesterday, I have been trying with all my heart to reconnect with the woman who was your mother, to remember what it felt like to mourn you and your brother after I was banished by your father. After I was turned, the only thing more powerful than the longing I felt for you was the fear of what I would do if I ever saw you again. So I stayed away. I had to find others who could help me find my way back to myself. And by the time my new family helped me to do that, everything I felt for my old family with you and your brother, 
It was gone. I hate that I can't make myself feel more. I am sorry. This is a, I think, a very interesting emotion and relationship to play with for this character. I mean, my note to Lily is stop calling it your new family versus your old family. That's a little bit of a sting. Especially to the old family. Yes. But I think there's something here that she hasn't seen these two for a century, like a century and a half. It's very understandable that she would not feel connected to her sons. Yeah. So I think, and it's hard for Damon to hear, but it's not like, I mean, I was going to say, it's not like he feels connected to her, but obviously he does. I mean, he's got no problem pining after people for centuries and centuries. But yeah. I think it's like, to, to me, it's very understandable that Lily spent all her time with these people. She would consider them more of her family than she considers this old family. She mourned losing this family she had and kind of thought she could never go back to it because she was a ripper. She didn't want to hurt them. And even when she learned they were vampires, she's like, well, it's they probably don't want me back anyway because I abandoned them. So I think it's like normal that she's like, of course, I don't feel connected to you two. I think that's understandable when you consider how long she's been in the prison world. Mm -hmm. In 1900, it's not crazy to expect that she would like, hopefully at least be interested in what her sons were up to. And, you know, maybe she didn't know they were vampires and maybe she thought that the life was over and that, you know, things that happened in Mystic Falls or she heard that they died, whatever. But I do think like it's not crazy to expect her to like miss her sons. And I I made this point, I believe, last week of the whole I didn't want to hurt you, I think is a fair excuse for like 20 years. After that, I think it loses its steam a little bit. But she was still a ripper. So I think what how I interpret that, because I think you make a valid point that like after X amount of time, she should want to go see her sons again. I think that being a ripper is obviously a pretty clear allegory for being an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I think probably most of her day to day was when do I get to have blood next? Who do I get to kill next? And like trying to get that done. Yeah. And I mean, we don't really know how she fell in with this group she fell in with and Mm -hmm. if they were really helping her or if, you know, she's like their leader. There's a lot about that group we don't know. Yeah, but I think she was probably so focused on how to manage being a ripper and then manage whatever relationship we had with these others. I just think she did not have the time to think about her sons. And she probably assumed like, well, that's over now. Like that life is not mine anymore. I do think that it got to a point where it was like, I just can't dwell on this because I that life's over. And especially once she has these new people in her life that she's like, I just have to move forward with this. Like I made yeah. this choice to leave it behind and I I can't do anything about it now. And I understand why Damon is hurt. I mean, obviously it's fair for him to be hurt. Like it's not great for him, but it's also Damon's got mommy issues out the wazoo. So yeah. I know this isn't a fair thing to say to him, but he needs to be a little bit realistic about what his relationship with his mother is because yeah, it, she's not going to come out of a prison world 100 years later and nothing's going to change and she's your mommy again. Well, I think it's hard to get on Lily's side of this watching this because Damon and Stefan are like our protagonists that we've been yes, with the whole exactly. time. So it's like, well, why didn't you come back for your sons? But it's like, well, I know her sons. Like she yeah. didn't know them. So it's <laughs> yeah. it, it takes some time to appreciate that she like has her own thing. Cause it's like, how dare you leave your sons? And I think there is proud of that. But I do think, I think Damon also has a level of 
shame for how long he like waited for Catherine just for her to like not be there. Yeah. And so I think if someone else also did that, like if his mother did that, it'd be like, well, at least it was just like, it was a sign of how in love I was. And now it's like, oh, my mom didn't even fucking do that for me. And I was dumb enough to do that for Catherine. Yeah. Like, or like that I'm dumb enough to be excited to have my mom back, even though I'm trying to hide it. And she like is trying to care for me and can't like, it's this very fear of abandonment, fear of heartbreak situation that he's dealing with in real time. Yeah, it's very hard for Damon. I can't blame him for being upset, but I do think Damon needs to, he's reverting to a little bit of a childishness that I I think is fair, but also, you know, you're almost 200 years old. (laughs) You need to start seeing your mother as a person and not an angel. You need to accept that like your lives aren't all what they were in 1858 anymore. And I think he needs to give his mother a little bit of grace. I think that's hard to do because he's never had to learn that lesson about his mother or his father. Like, because as he was believing his father was a bad person, his father died. And he was like, great. He was a bad person and he died. That's fair. And now he's, you know, built up this relationship with their mother who died tragically of consumption. And he was protecting Stefan's feelings from that. And then he's never faced these. And I do think I, I appreciate your, your input is making me more of a Lily appreciator but I'm I'm hurt for Damon. Like he's obviously allowed to be hurt, but mm-hmm. I think he's. I also think he's just being like a little bit unfair to Lily. Thinking about it from Lily's perspective, Damon is putting a lot of his feelings about his mother deep down, which she sees as someone who's not that excited to see her, just wants to use her to get Stefan's humanity back, and obviously isn't going to do the thing he promised he would do for her. Mm-hmm. So you know she's like well. What can I do about it? Like, he's mad at me. I understand why. But, like, he's not exactly opening the floodgates for, an emo- for like, an emotional reconciliation either. You know, I think regardless of Damon being 200 years old, interactions with parents bring out the child and everyone. Sure. And he hasn't seen his mom in a long time. And I think his he's faced with a lot of new information right now. His mom has had all this information. Well... But maybe she's had all this specific information, but she's facing with a lot of new information in the world, too, including who her sons are now. That's true. I think there's something to both Damon and Stefan. I think it's easy to paint your mom as an angel when she dies of consumption when you're young. And then suddenly they have to Damon had to reckon with the fact that his mother chose to leave them for 50 years, which is an oversimplification. But that's what he feels like. And he couldn't bring this up to Stefan either. So he's been trying to sort this out by himself, which is a horrible plan for him. But it's just, I think he's just in a really hurt place and that will bring out the childlike behavior in him. And I think it's fair for him to act like that. And I think Lily can't be that surprised by that. I I can understand why she like is disconnected and is having a hard time feeling those things. But I think she has to in some way understand like that this is causing her. I don't think she's surprised to see him act like that. And I think she understands it's causing him hurt. But I think she's like, well, what do you want me to say? There's nothing she could say to him that would fix any of this. Except like, like, even if she said, well, I'm so excited to see you and be your mother again. I just don't think like there's anything she can do. And he's also, again, this is fair, but he's being a little bit dismissive of her integration into the modern world. Yeah. Like, oh, use the computer. Show your mother how to type. He did show her. I know it's because he's like closing himself off because he doesn't want to be hurt. But because of that, 
he's keeping her at the distance she's at. Yeah. Which is only reinforcing her idea that like she doesn't really want these sons, essentially. She's like, well, they don't really seem to want me either. I I think he is obviously pushing her away to, you know, protect himself. And I I don't expect her to know that about like Damon, but like, and I think a lot of it is just that it is a disconnect from her sons. Mm -hmm. But I don't think she should be surprised that like, this is affecting her son so emotional. She's not surprised. She seems a little like, I, I don't know. And there's really nothing she can say. And even if she said like, I did come back for you, he would think she was lying anyway. So there's no winning. I also think Damon shouldn't be surprised that like their relationship isn't the same. I don't think he's surprised by that. I think he was, I think he had idealized it. Yeah. And hoped that his mother would be happy to see them. But he came into it already hurt by knowing that she was gone for 50 years. And I just think he had no emotional regulation to get through that. Well, also not not to be feminist in this way, but I don't think Damon is seeing Lily as anything other than his mother when he should be oh, seeing I don't think her he is as either. like yeah. a human woman who went through other things that didn't involve him. But I think that's a hard connection to make. Sure, but he's 200 years old. He's met other parents and stuff. Like, But for all intents and purposes, this is him seeing his mom for the first time since, since he was like 17. Yeah. Like, it's going to bring out the, emo- the sure. immature part. I think at some point he can understand that she's a human woman, but I think right now he's so hurt. And so, like, particularly his inner child is hurt. And it's Mm -hmm. making it so that he can't see that right now, which, yes, he should see that. But I just I don't think he can yet. Sure. Also, I think it's very like honorable, admirable, brave of Lily to say like, yeah, I actually don't know what our relationship is. Because, again, she knows she wants something from him, which is to get her friends out. And I think she knows she could get that easier if she lied. That's true. But to her credit, she is not lying. When I do respect that she's like, that was a different person. I like, I honestly have not interacted with that person in years. So I don't know. I think Damon is also hurt by how this situation is not the ideal he pictured, but he doesn't want to talk about it. And Lily does want to say like, we need to address the elephant in the room. We're not having a good time. (laughs) Plus, I think Damon is facing a number of like family questions and thoughts overall. Mm hmm. And he doesn't know how to talk about any of them. So it's just building up right now. I also think he doesn't know how to view. He A, doesn't know how to view a parent with like rose colored glasses because Giuseppe was so evil to him. But honestly, I don't think he knows how to view a woman without rose colored glasses too. Because most of the women in his life have betrayed him quite severely. Even Elena, even though it's past now did erase all her memories of him. So he has, I mean, major trust issues. Let's just say that as a blanket statement for everything. So I think that's a part of it too, is that he's just, he does not trust parents and he does not really trust women. Well, yeah, he doesn't trust anyone who he cares about. Yes. Because most people he's cared about have let him down. Yeah, have abandoned him, let him down. And he's not seen a single good example of a parent ever. He doesn't have a single father figure, mother figure at all. Like even other adults he hangs out with, those are his contemporaries, his They're peers. His peers yeah. And he's he's been somewhat of a father figure to Stefan at times, mm-hmm. but he's never had any sort of parental figure. And so he doesn't, I don't think he understands how to, like you said, he doesn't understand the complexities of being a parent because he has always viewed his parents as like, Giuseppe was bad, my mother was good. 
Yeah. And then everybody else I interact with are complex people. But like my parents were supposed to be this separate thing. And it's like, they're really not a separate thing, but he just has no frame of reference. He just chose that his mother, like when his mom died, he she was like an angel to him. And he just has let yeah. that idea stay in his mind. So that I see how the growing pains are hard. And I think any interaction with his mom where she wasn't like a literal angel would have been a disappointment to him. Unless she had come down truly with wings and a halo and said, you are worthy of love. He would have been disappointed. Like, because that's what he thinks a mother who he's, he's put her into sainthood since she died essentially. Yeah. And so I just think he had no way to handle this well. And it's also, I think probably he's a little bit embarrassed because he probably realizes that there was nothing she could have done. And he's like, it is so embarrassing that I want my mother. Like I need my mother to hug me this much. Well, yeah. How embarrassing to be like, I'm 200 years old. Why is this hurting me so much? Yeah. Why am I so upset that my mommy didn't give me a hug? I haven't lived with my mom for years. Why am I affected by this? Like, I think he just is having an emotional roller coaster inside. Yeah. And Lily has no idea how to handle that. Because let's be honest, handling Damon is above most people's pay grades. Yes. And she hasn't interacted with him at all. Like, it's just, he's not seeing her for her side. He's deeply, deeply hurt by the situation. Yeah. And when she knew Damon, he like loved her. So she's like, oh, he's going to be happy to see me too. So then I'll adjust to being happy to see him. And she's like, actually, no, this guy's kind of a dick to me. Yeah, she's like, once my son loves me so much, I'll figure this out. It'll come back. Yeah. And she just feels pressure to be a perfect mother, but she knows she can't be. Anyway, lots to say. I'm yeah. sure we'll say more. We really dug into a lot of that there. We go over to Skullbur. Caroline flips a coin and says, okay, heads I kill Tyler, tails I kill Matt. Deal? Stefan says, sounds good to me. And Matt and Tyler are like, no deal. <laughs> <laughs> she looks at the coin and she gasps because she's like, oh, wow, surprising, huh? She gets ready to show the coin to Tyler, uh, but he shoves her hands and pushes the coin away. Oh, fair enough. It's kind of a girly shove, but it's the best he can do, and I respect him doing something. Yeah. Stefan says, ooh, somebody's angry. <laughs> and Caroline says, he's a wolf. It's his resting face. They want to remind us that he's a werewolf so that we can mm -hmm. keep that in front of mind. Tyler says, you wonder why everybody hates vampires? <laughs> <laughs> well, no one ever said that. But I mean, you got to give it to Tyler. He's just trying to like distract them, piss them off, you know, change yeah, the subject. I, I respect that he's doing something. Yeah, all admiration. Matt's just sitting there like, okay, well, this might as well happen today. Yeah, Matt's like, what? Someone's going to kill me again? I've gotten out of it every other time. Like, I, re I really don't see me staying down. Yeah. <laughs> and then Tyler says, look at you. Messing with people for no reason. That's really brave. So then Tyler gets up and quickly smashes the chair to make some wood steaks. And Matt says, what are you doing? Tyler throws some wood towards Stefan, but misses. And Stefan says, are you serious? At least he's trying. Yeah, he's doing something. <laughs> Tyler says, what's wrong, Stefan? Not used to people fighting back. And Stefan says, actually, I'm just not used to people being this stupid. Matt says, Ty, stop. Stefan, he's sorry. The whole problem with them having their humanity off, like, this already looked kind of dumb because of how you did it. It looks even stupider to them. Yeah. Like it's, it's just funny to them, which like I get that this is as menacing as you can be and you're doing an okay job, but it's just, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. And one thing about Tyler, he hates being emasculated. Yeah. And Caroline laughs at them again. And then she goes up to Tyler and says, you know, you see that little vein on his forehead? I used to think it was so sexy, but now I'm pretty sure it's all the blood leaving his brain. Stefan laughs. Tyler says, screw you, Caroline. And then he picks up a wood stake and he says, come on, either of you come at me. And Matt says, Ty, please stop. Stefan says, Caroline, 
I will gladly kill him for you. But I know he was a jerk during your relationship. So if you want, and she says, oh, I want. Caroline says, come on, Tyler, I dare you. Matt says, Tyler, stop it. Matt says, are you stupid enough to fall for a dare? Tyler says, get out of here, Matt. And honestly, Matt should have gotten out of there then because then it would have been maybe different. But Tyler goes at Caroline with the stake. Caroline very quickly vampire runs and replaces herself with Matt. So actually, Tyler stakes Matt in the stomach and Matt falls down. And Caroline says, nice going, Tyler. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) We go over to the hospital slash a classroom. Elena's at the hospital. Damon's in a classroom. They're on the phone as if they have nowhere to fucking be. Yeah, Damon really taking his time to get to Skullberg. (laughs) Taking a long way. Elena says she flat out told you she didn't love you. She did not say that. Yeah. Like, I know he's hurt. That's not what she fucking said. Unfortunately, that is what he heard. Yes. I mean, he heard it. (laughs) Damon says she was her overly proper self. But yeah, that was the gist of it. But hey, you know, I'm not planning on honoring my end of the plan by jailbreaking her friends. So I figure we're even. Damon, remember how she eavesdropped on you last time? Literally. She says, Damon, and Damon says, it's fine. 150 years is a long time to care. And (laughs) Alina says, well, yeah, says the guy who pined for Catherine for a century and a half. He's like, yeah, say that directly to me instead of letting me think it by myself. Awesome. Awesome. But she (laughs) does say something that it's important for him to hear. She says, it is okay to feel hurt, Damon. Lily was the second woman to abandon you. Damon says, since when are we counting? (laughs) Damon says, says the woman who never has. Except when she erased her memories, but I guess we're over that. <laughs> she's, she's like, well, there's still time. Yeah. <laughs> Damon said, look, you can sit here and flirt with me or help me come up with a plan B because Lily's a no-go. Now, who said that? Yeah, she certainly didn't say that. Elena says, well, Stefan doesn't know how she feels. And Damon says, Stefan's also not a moron. Mm. Stefan is not a moron, but also I think him seeing his mother for the first time in a century and a half. He's not a moron. But he does have mommy issues, and this is a big effect. Yeah. Elena says, any chance your mom's a good liar? Damon runs out to the hallway into Lily because she's, like, walking away. And he says, where are you going? And she says, anywhere. I don't know. Just let me be. And Damon says, no, now you listen. I have one solution to this, and it's you. So you're going to walk over to that burr and give the performance of your lifetime, or you can kiss your desiccated vampire family goodbye. Understood? And she says, and what if I fail to bring him back? And he says, you won't fail. And she says, I need to be assured that regardless of the outcome with your brother today, I can trust you to help me get my people back. This is fair. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious he doesn't want to let them out. (laughs) Yeah. Damon says, I've told you a hundred times we'll get them back. And she says, and is that the truth? And he says, why would I lie? That's exactly what I say when I'm lying. (laughs) Yeah. If it was the truth, of course, it's the truth. Not why would I lie? That's not an answer. I'll tell you why you would lie. There's a ton of reasons why you would lie. Because you don't want to bring them back. Yeah. Lily says Damon. So that's the thing. Lily could say, like, you have a number of reasons to lie. But instead, Lily turns it on him. Uh, Like like mother, like sons. She is catty. She is dastardly. (laughs) She says, Damon, you have the power to give your greatest love the human life she desires. And you've yet to be truthful with her. She says, I can't trust you to be truthful. He's like, who's talking about me? (laughs) He said, why are you bringing that up again? (laughs) So he takes the ascendant out of his pocket and hands it to her and says, showtime. This is a great move for Damon because it does 
give Lily the reassurance she needs, but also it gives her essentially no power because she can't do anything with the Ascendant by itself. Mm-hmm. Granted, could she like maybe find enough people? Sure, but not in a day. Well, and she would need Bennett blood still, yeah. which she doesn't seem to know that piece of the mm-hmm. puzzle. Exactly. But here's my thing. She doesn't know what the Ascendant looks like. You can hand her anything. That's true. I mean, this has been my strategy in many cases like this. Just have a decoy. Yeah. There's no issue in having decoys. And again, this bitch is from 1903. Grab an iPad. She doesn't know what that is. Grab a computer mouse. Decoys would have saved these people a lot. Fake moonstones. Fake stakes. You know, there's all sorts of things you can fake. Just say, this is white oak. Trust me. What? You guys all know different types of wood now, please. Be serious. We go back over to Sarah's apartment. Guess we're not done here. Sarah says, so some good Samaritan vampire saves you from dying, gives you super strength, mind control, and you never grow old. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. He said, don't side with Lily. (laughs) He said, come on. Enzo says, that's because you don't know about the hunger. We go back to 1903. Enzo narrates, and we can see him in the boat hospital. He says, I was awakened by the deafening sound of waves lapping against the ship, blinded by the faint glow of the northern lights. Every one of my senses intensified to the point of pain, but none more than the insatiable craving for blood. He looks around, and he sees a bunch of bloody dead people around him. Then a door opens, and who comes in but the charlatan. Enzo says, what happened here? And the charlatan says, oh, the woman who helped you? She killed them all. Everyone's dead. And Enzo says, and where's she? Enzo's like, that really doesn't sound like her. Yeah, Enzo said, but she's my mommy. (laughs) She's an angel. The charlatan says, I don't know where she went, but she told me to come find you. She wants you to feed on me to complete your transition. Uh, He slits his own throat and Enzo does indeed feed. Yeah, because the blood's there. Back at Sarah's apartment, Enzo says, after feeding on the charlatan, I searched all over that ship for that woman. She was gone. Her promises of a new life and a new family were lies. She made me a monster and then abandoned me. And this is funny because she truly just went to prison. Like she really wanted him (laughs) to join her clique. And he just didn't finish the transition in time to go into the prison world with them. Yeah. He was always destined to be trapped somewhere, it appears. She really fucked him up and she really didn't mean to. The good thing is that she sent someone for him to feed on before she went. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of killing everybody on the ship and even like, there's nothing left for me. But now he thinks he was abandoned. Sarah says, for what reason? And Enzo says, who knows? Probably some sick game. And Sarah says, oh, like the one you were playing with me? And Enzo says, yeah, exactly. He says, I guess. He says, whatever. (laughs) And then he very quickly breaks free of the tiny rope that's tying his hands together. Because it was never really tying him together. (laughs) He vampire runs to grab Sarah and says, and the goal was the same. I wanted to do to you what had been done to me, to make you a monster. He ties her wrists. So now she's the one who's trapped. But it's more effective for her. Yeah. We go over to Skullbar. Matt is not looking good. Got a stab wound in his stomach. And Tyler says, I'm so sorry, Matt. I mean, come on, you can't die on me. And Caroline says, so for those of us keeping score, if Matt dies, are you going to start peeing on fire hydrants again? Which is their way of saying he will trigger his werewolf curse. Stefan says, that's a good question. I mean, if all that rage made you think you could take us both, Maybe this is nature's way of reconnecting you with your true self. Tyler says, shut the fuck up, because he does not want to be a werewolf again. Yeah, he's like, that can't be. He said, we cannot be doing this. How do I keep almost accidentally killing people? He's like, why is it so easy to kill someone? (laughs) 
Damon opens the door to Skullburn. He comes in with Lily, and everybody looks up, and the- everyone is shocked. Caroline says, who is that? She's like, why is Damon with this random woman? And Stefan says, it's my mother. Matt continues to bleed, and Damon says, get him out of here, take my car. So Tyler takes Matt and goes. Damon doesn't even offer vampire blood. Granted, yeah. we know Matt wouldn't have taken it, but an offer would have been nice. Yeah, because he's bleeding out on the floor. Yeah. Caroline says, so you have a mother? Because she's like, this is getting entirely too complicated for me today. Stefan says, I had a mom. She died. So whoever this is, is Damon's lame attempt to get my humanity back on. It actually would have been so funny if Damon like hired an actress. Yeah, like found someone who looked like their mom and was like, okay, I need you to need you to act. Yeah. He was 10 at the time, so he might not have some of the details still. Exactly. (laughs) Caroline says, and let me guess, then you get my humanity back on. I don't think so. So Caroline vampire runs and stakes Stefan in the back. And she says, I'm sorry, but thanks for the head start. And she goes, because she says, one thing we're not talking about here is moms. That's not happening. Yeah, she says, I can tell you really fast. I'm not dealing with anyone else's mom because I'm certainly not dealing with mine. Sorry, Stefan, this is clearly going to work on you. So I'm going to go. Yeah, we go over to the hospital. Tyler runs in with Matt and he says, Elena, we need help. And Elena says, oh my God, Matt, she was talking to a patient and she totally abandons him. She runs to them and says, it's okay, you'll be fine. She bites her wrist to feed Matt some blood. And Matt says, no. And Tyler says, Matt, take the damn blood. They're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Matt says, I said I don't want it. I want a doctor. Where's Joe? And then the nurses like take him away. And Elena and Tyler are both like shocked and freaked out by this. Yeah, because they're like, why is he dealing with the doctor when we have something sure right here? Elena says, what just happened? And Tyler's like, well, I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> That's enough for today. I might be turning on a moon. (laughs) We go over to Skullbar. Stefan has the steak in his back. And Lily comes up and says, oh, here, let me help you. She takes the steak out. He gets up and she says, I'm sure you have many questions. And he says, well, the fact that you haven't aged today answers the big one. He tries to vampire run away, but of course, Damon blocks the exit. And then Lily gets him with a hook. She says, I'm a ripper. And he says, what? She says, all of the guilt you've carried for your lack of control, it's my fault not yours. You get it from me. I mean, he still has to carry some guilt. No one's free of guilt and no one's completely to be blamed. Yes. She says, that's why I had to leave. I was so new to the bloodlust. I was afraid I'd hurt you and your brother. The last time I saw you was the day of my funeral. You weren't imagining it. I was your angel. In flashback, we see Damon giving Lily things to say in the speech. Yeah, giving her some talking points. Yeah, he says, tell him you wish you could have seen him grow up. And then we see her, you know, take the note and really knock it out of the park. Mm -hmm. She says, if only I'd been there to see you grow into a young man to protect you from your father's temper. But I was so ashamed of the things I'd done, of what I'd become. And by the time I got my appetite under control and was coming back for you and your brother, I was hunted down and banished to a prison world by the Gemini. And Stefan's like, this is a lot of information. (laughs) In flashback, Damon tells her to say, you know, the one thing that helped you get through being trapped in that awful place in the present, she picks it up and says, was the hope of seeing my sons again. I know there are no words that can make up for me abandoning you, but we have all of eternity for me to try. In flashback, Damon says, your angel has returned to you. Cheesy line. I know he was gagging when he was saying it. Yeah, but she eats the line up regardless of it being bad. She says, your angel has returned to you and I will never leave you again. Stefan looks emotional. He blinks. 
for a while, so we know what's going on. Yeah, so we know it's a, it's a significant blink. He opens his eyes and he says, mother, and he cries and hugs her, so his humanity is back on. And she says, my sweet, sweet boy. And Damon nods like, yeah, you better get him. <laughs> and, you know, Stefan's mommy issues, he was... He was hook, line, and sinker on this. It was it was a layup. It took 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Lexi took weeks, and she, like, had done it multiple times. And his mom came in. He was like, okay. And he said, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> we go outside the borough. Stefan is looking at a missing poster in the window, probably for a girl he killed. Damon comes up, and Stefan says, how'd you find her? And Damon says, you know, on the list of things to be worrying about, she's not one of them. And I think it's smart of Damon to say, like, we're not going to get into all of that right now when your humanity is freshly on. Yeah, there's a lot of details, and I, I don't want to even give a chance for her to say my new family, because I think yeah. that's going to be an issue for you, as it was for me. Damon says, you get a night, Stefan, to beat yourself up, do your shame spiral, and then you have to go after Caroline. And Stefan says, I don't need a night. I'll find her. Growth! True love. King of healing. Finally. <laughs> we go over to the hospital. Matt wakes up in his room. And Elena comes in and she says, you're refusing pain meds too? And he says, no. <laughs> he says, no, I'm good with that. <laughs> Elena says, why are you refusing my blood? And Matt says, do you know how many times I've died or nearly died? Most of those times were at the hands of people I thought were my friends. That's an oversimplification because off the top of my head, you died once because a traveler killed you or a passenger. Mm-hmm. You almost died once because you chose you wanted to drown to maybe see your sister. You died once when Damon snapped your neck to turn Elena's humanity back on, a plan you were in on. Yeah. So there's other th- times, sure, but mostly your friends weren't the ones killing you. Or like you did something that I don't want to say justified it because it wasn't like it didn't justify murder, but they knew you'd come back. So yeah. Anyway. Matt says, I'm sorry, not people, vampires. And don't give me the we're not all like that speech, Elena, because you are just one flip of a switch away, which is the same realization Elena came to earlier. She's like, oh, no, that's tea, King. She said, no, I'm with you. She says, that's not what I was going to say. I actually think you have every right to be mad. But why won't you let me make it better? He says, because I can't say I hate vampires and then use them when it's to my advantage. We can't have it both ways, Elena. That's just how it has to be. And you know what? Yeah, I, we've said a lot of bad things about Matt. This I admire. I've been saying, if you're going to be a little bitch ass, you stop taking vampire blood. Yeah. If you're going to be about it, be about it. Absolutely. But of course, then the nurse is going to come in and be like, so you have no insurance. So here's your hospital bill. He's going to be like, you know what? Actually, I think I will go back to vampire blood. <laughs> yeah. We go over to Sarah's apartment. Enzo cuts a little bit of Sarah's hand to taste her blood. And he says, awesome. Now that the vervain's out of your system... How does Southampton sound? May as well compel you a nice place to disappear to. I mean, Matt, you could have told her to wear some vervain too, but whatever. Yeah. Sarah says, or you could give me the choice you never had. You said it yourself. You do this, you're only making it worse. And he says, yeah, but you'll be safe. And she says, well, what if I swore to never seek out the Salvatores? From what you told me, I don't want any part of my real family. Enzo grabs her, looks at her. And then he breaks the wrist ties and says, have a nice life, Sarah Nelson. And he goes without compelling her. Do you think this is the last we'll see of Sarah Salvatore? No. One thing about this girl, she will seek out stuff that she has no business seeking out. Mm -hmm. Like, I respect that she's like, I'm not interested in seeing my family learning about this. Even what she heard today 
was so much information, but there's still so many gaps. Like the curiosity is going to kill her. It's going to get to her. I'd seek it out. Like I'd be deeply intrigued by this. Plus the house I went to was nice. Yeah. We go outside Skullbury. Damon goes to sit with Elena and says, well, Matt lives to hate vampires another day. Stefan's on Caroline duty. And I just introduced mom to Uber. I'm taking bets on which one goes south first. She's just in an Uber. This woman from 1903. I'm so like, you could have given her a ride. Well, he gave his car to Tyler and Matt. Oh, right. But like, you can walk home with her. You don't live in a a big place. Like putting her in an Uber is hysterically weird. It is weird. (laughs) Elena says, I want to throw Joe a baby shower. Damon says, okay, you forgot to hit your turn signal for that segue. Elena says, Joe's pregnancy is the best news that we've had in a little while. And I feel like I didn't react in the way I should have. This is very kind of Elena to say, but I don't hold this against her. Yeah, this is a fair reaction. I don't think Joe holds it against her either. definitely. Like, I think Elena also just, like, wants a chance to celebrate news like this because she knows she won't get to celebrate it for herself. So she's, like, trying to live vicariously through it, which is also fair. Damon says, oh, why not? And she says, because I think I was, I don't know. And he says, jealous. And she says, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I've always wanted a family before, you know, so... It's just kind of a bummer of a reminder that it's never going to happen for me. I mean, girl, you could walk into an adoption agency and compel a baby tomorrow. Like, you yeah, you can't have your own baby, but you could very much have a family. Yeah. Whatever. She says, but I get to have my life with you, which is also what I've always wanted. She's like, which is a super good second choice. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something I'm really happy to settle. Yeah. If I'm going to settle, I'm happy it's with you. <laughs> She says, so I'm going to be good, okay? I just had to let myself be sad for a minute. And Damon says, well, what if things could be different? What if you could change everything? And she says, well, they're not, and I can't, so nothing's changed. And he says, I have nothing else to add to this conversation. He kisses her forehead and says, I love you. And she says, I love you too. I get why he isn't sure how to raise this yet. I do get why he's not sure he wants to offer this to her. Like It's becoming clear that she absolutely wants. So mm-hmm. if he offers it to her, he knows he's going to have to reckon with her wanting to take it. When I think he also knows that like internally, intrinsically, she wants it. But it's also a decision of if it's actually there, then what happens? Yeah, exactly. Of like, do I make that choice? Like knowing that it changes my relationships with everyone. Like I, I think it's it's a big thing to bring up, even if she does truly want it. And I think yeah. there is still enough doubt of whether she wants it because it's one thing to be like I would really like to have a baby but you know that's not part of my life anymore to like actually wanting the cure and I think he still has a level of denial of like whether she would want it which I think is you know just him protecting his heart yeah her phone vibrates and Damon says this better be important and while she looks at her phone some scary music plays so it is important I bet yeah We go over to the hospital. Damon and Elena walk in and Joe is standing there. And Joe says, so I called my dad to let him know that Kai's gone. But all he wants to know is where the Ascendant is because we have to destroy it. One thing about Joshua. Joshua answered the phone and was like, oh, what the fuck? He said, so they went into another one? He said, so we're just going in and out of prison worlds willy nilly. Who the fuck are these people? Yeah. (laughs) And one thing about Joshua, he wants an Ascendant destroyed, okay? Yeah, he could not be clearer. Which makes you think, like, when you were elected leader of the Gemini <laughs> Coven, I mean elected, when you were appointed leader of the Gemini Coven, why wasn't your first action, like, you know what, let's just destroy all the Ascendants? Yeah. Particularly the Kai one. Yeah. 
at least. I guess he gave the Kai one to Joe, but still, that's stupid. Hindsight's twenty twenty. He was like, well, no one in the Gemini Coven would want to go into any of these prison worlds, so why would I destroy it? No one else is going to find out about these, surely. You fool. <laughs> Elena says, oh, why do we have to destroy the Ascendant? Why do you think? <laughs> Damon says, oh, before you answer that, I should just say, like, I did give the Ascendant to Lily already. And Elena says, hey, you promised Bonnie. And Joe says, it does not matter, okay? You just need to get it back right now. I respect that Damon was like, before we even get into it, I did give it away, but we will, we can figure it out still, but I just want that information out. Damon says, okay, tell me what's up. At the Salvatore house, we see... Lily is playing with the Ascendant. So during this scene, so Joe's narrating all this, and during this scene, we see Lily messing with the Ascendant at the Salvatore House in modern day. And in 1903, we see Lily going into the bottom of the ship and Mm -hmm. coffins, the nails are coming out, and we see, you know, her friends, her family, I should say. Yeah. Um, But I'll just read Joe's narration before we get to the end of that. Just, But that's Mm -hmm. happening interspersed. Yeah. Joe says, before the 1900s, your mother fell in with a group of witches that were cast out of the Gemini coven. They were known as heretics, siphoners like Kai, but not just that. Lily turned them, resulting in creatures that are both witch and vampire. And Elena says, but that's not possible. Vampires can't be witches. This is something, one of the few things that we have known to be like absolutely true from the beginning. Yeah. When I love, she's like, that's not possible. And Joe's like, I'm literally telling you what happened. Yeah. But I understand she has to do this line of like, that's not something we think of as possible. Joe says, these are witches that have magic only when they siphon power from another source. As vampires, Damon says, they have a constant source. They can siphon off of themselves. Joe says, they were on their way to destroy the Gemini, but the coven got to them first, put them into exile. Heretics are ruthless. Vampires with witch power, an aberration of nature, they can never be allowed to escape. Imagine Kai with the bloodlust of a vampire. Now imagine six of them. And in (laughs) 1903, we see like six people sit up in unison. Yeah, it's very silly goofy. And that is where we end the episode. So let's talk. We have a new creature. They're called heretics. They're siphons, they're vampires. What's your first reaction to this? I'm super excited about this. I gotta be honest, this sounds dope. It's It sounds like a, a level of a threat we haven't seen yet. It's an interesting way to kind of build up on this threat of Kai that we've experienced through the season in a new fun way that's also deeply personal because Lily is connected to them. So I'm, I'm pumped by this. And this also clarifies for you because you were pretty convinced that the Gemini didn't build a prison world for one ripper and yeah. they didn't. And it makes sense that they put siphoners in a prison world because one of the things they hated about Kai was that he was a siphon. Here's some other things I want to think about. Kai is in there with them right now. Kai investigated some of the history of this prison world before he went in. Do you think Kai knew about the heretics before getting trapped or that he had really only found research on Lily? That is a good question. I'm guessing in the Gemini text, there had to be some information about this because it's not like Joshua would know that by himself, that is probably something that would be, you know, accessible to any leaders of the Gemini Coven. So I'm guessing he was aware of that. And he just, I think he probably assumed, you know, they're vampires. They've been in there this whole time. They've desiccated or whatever that he was already, mm-hmm. that he knew it was important to go into this prison world for Bonnie and was like, whatever, we'll just deal with that when we deal with it. Do you think Kai purposely left this out of telling Damon about when he was telling him about the prison world? Do you think he 
left it out so that Damon would know less? Or do you think it was just something he felt wasn't relevant to their mission? And that's why he didn't mention it. I think probably more that it wasn't relevant or that it just like probably wouldn't affect how Damon handled anything anyway. And he probably was like, oh, we probably won't have to deal with it. Because I don't think it was like malicious to have them in to know that. Mm-hmm. Although there could be a side of Kai too that's like, prison worlds are not cool. Like no one should yeah. be in them. He could be anti-incarceration. Yeah, he could just be into abolition. I'm with you, Comrade Kai. Yeah. So I think there's a potential that he planned on getting people out anyway. I do think it would be weird that he wouldn't bring it up as just something to be aware of. Yeah. That like there are multiple people here. But he did seem to know there, you know, he mentioned that there were like crazy people in the prison world at one point. Like he like when Alaric asked him who's in there and he said probably people who are crazy like me, which implies that he knows or knew that in some way prison worlds were built for siphons. That seems to be the common thread. Final question about the heretics. Do you think Lily realizes the significance of turning these people and creating heretics by turning them? Or do you think she just truly thinks of them as her family? Like, do you think she knows she created monsters and is playing dumb? Or do you think she just really got along with these people and turned them because they're friends? I think she really got along with them or like turned one or she was just turning people willy nilly because, you know, Enzo, she just happened to turn. Yeah. So it's not like she was, you know, seeking specific people out. And it may be that she just turned one and they were like, hey, you know what? I have some really cool family that I think it would be great if you also turned and then you're welcome into our family. Like, I think she was kind of taken advantage of in that way. Sure. Do you think also, I know I said the last question, but it wasn't my last question, I guess. Do you think what we've been told about her relationship with them is that they're like family? Do you think like her description of this relationship is accurate? Knowing what we know about her, which is that like she was the one who had the last of the blood. She said it was a decision they came to. Like, do you think this group of people are like the family she describes them to be? I'm really conflicted about her being the last one to have blood because it feels like it would make sense for the people who have magic to keep drinking blood. Sure. Like, why would the one without magic get to live? And maybe there is like a reverence for her that, you know, she saved us and brought us together, something like that. But it would seem like they know the Gemini situation. They would want to still, they would want to stay alive as long as possible because they could figure something out. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm very conflicted about that. And I do think there's a potential that, you know, Lily has some control over these people. It's hard to understand the exact reaction to Siphons over the years, because we know from Kai that, you know, he's an outcast in his family. He felt like an outcast. And there is, you know, some evil psychopathness in him. They may not all be psychopaths, but there also may be this like family abandonment that they've all connected to. Yeah. And that's what brought them together. And I think one thing I want to raise too is we know that Kai was like an anomaly. It's like a seemingly once in generation in a generation thing Mm -hmm. to have a siphon. So did all six of these come at the same time? Great question. Are some of them twins? Like, is it a twin pair of siphons? Like there's a number of questions that we could raise here. That is a great question. I don't know. I'm iffy on... Lily, I think there's a little bit of manipulation on all sides, but the sticking point for me just remains that she was the one left drinking blood. That seems like she's in charge in some way. Yes. 
whether through manipulation or through maybe it was a sign of respect and they were like well you saved us you can do that but i don't know they all got put in a prison world so i respect that there's complexity to people but they obviously killed these people on this boat well they also they got put in the prison world because they were heretics not because of lily so if anything lily was but they were heretics because of lily because she that's true yeah so who's who's to blame and I, I do want to raise the idea, too, of Kai being in here because they don't need to siphon from him because they can mm-hmm. siphon from themselves. They could use some blood. But the one thing I'll raise is, yes, this is a different prison world, but I think it's possible that he also can't die in the 1903 prison sure. world. We don't actually know if Bonnie could or couldn't die in the 1994 prison yeah. world. We assumed she couldn't. Yeah, but we never saw her die, so we can't yeah. know for sure. That's the other thing with Kai being in there, whether he knows about them or not, because he does seem surprised to see people there, you know, last episode. But he understands the mechanics of prison worlds and getting out. And he also understands the mechanics of these people connected to Lily. So I do think there's some some flexibility here. Mm -hmm. Next question. Let's move on to the cure. Knowing what we know now, what's going to happen with the cure? Do you think Damon will decide to bring it up with Elena? She'll decide to take it. Or is it going to be something more complex? What are your cure predictions? I know we're doing the cure again. Yeah. I thought it was going to be kind of longer until we dealt with it. But this episode makes it pretty clear that it looks like we're going to deal with it sooner rather than later. Because I I don't know when Nina Dobrev leaves. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's sometime in season seven or eight. But that could be the start of season seven. So th- that leaves up a lot of uh, a lot of questions. I do think this information is going to get to Elena. And I think it behooves Damon to make sure it comes from him. Sure. I think it will probably come from him. I just think, you know, there's a fear of Lily knowing about it. Yeah. And, you know, if you guys end up betraying her in some way or another. Yeah. Uh, But I do think like once she knows about it, I don't think it's going to be like, I'll take it right away. Like, I think it is going to be a more complex decision because she's also Mm -hmm. concerned with, you know, she'll be concerned with what happens to other people like, like, she'll understand, even if, you know, she wants to take it, that it may not be what Damon is super excited about that idea. Mm-hmm. There may also be, depending on how long it takes, like, her immediate reaction may be anger for not sharing it right away, sure. anger at Bonnie for not telling her about it. So I think there's a number of emotions that go along with it. But I do think it will be a bit before it gets taken. I do think she will eventually take it. Okay. I don't know if that's being too bold, but. I guess we'll never know. Or will we? (laughs) My last question, let's talk about Caroline's humanity. Now that Stefan's humanity is back on, what do you think is his move to get Caroline's humanity back on? When do you think it'll be back on? What's our next steps for Caroline? I think this has to be a very personal, Stefan-driven plan at this point. I think having Elena in the mix only made Caroline matter. I do think Caroline's going to try to stay away from people for a while because she knows they're going to want to turn her humanity back on. She understands that. But I also think she'll particularly want to avoid Stefan because she doesn't want to hear any of the mom shit. She knows that that will be his path. He's like, I'm with my mom now, blah, blah, blah. She doesn't want to hear that. That's like the one thing she doesn't want to talk about. But I do think Stefan will take that approach. But I think he's going to take an approach similar to, you know, past ones where it's, kind of rather than a one day like let's get it all out now it's a little bit more of slowly chipping away because it also depends how she reacts if she by herself is like well it's not fun to like kill a bunch of people by myself like 
it was more fun when I had someone to like do this with. So now I'm just going to go back to my like chill, getting back to my life, getting in a play situation. Or if she's now going to be enjoying killing people. I think that also depends how aggressive Stefan will be. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.